Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. Uh, even in Psalms, when it says walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it says walking through. It doesn't say we're stuck in the, in the valley of the shadow of death, but we're walking through it. And there's going to be times where we have things in our life where we feel like we're in a valley for a while. I think we can all probably agree to that with how 2020 went and maybe even how 2021 is starting that uh, a lot of us feel like we're stuck in a valley and, uh, but we're walking through it. And uh, you know that, that he is the God of the hills and the God of the valleys. And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 54th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corston, and alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb, we are so honored and so very blessed to have you today with our episode with Brett Kern. Brett's the punter of the Tennessee Titans. He's a three-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro punter and entering into his 14th season in the NFL. Brett is from Grand Island. He punted at Toledo and was signed as an undrafted agent to my favorite team the Denver Broncos in 2008 but then he was waived by the Broncos and the Tennessee Titans signed him and the rest is history and he went on to become one of the league's best punters and Brett is also married with three kids and currently lives in Nashville Tennessee Brett stops by today talk about his faith journey how he ended up in Tennessee he does something called prayer in the shower and much more Guys, this is a fascinating conversation, and what's also so cool about this conversation with Brett is he's from Grand Island, which is just outside of Buffalo, so he's a local guy, and his dad is one of our former guests, Cal Kern, who's one of the chaplains at the University of Buffalo here in Buffalo. So, so excited for today's conversation, and I highly recommend to jot some notes down, whether it's on your notes app or a pen and paper. Brett's going to say some wise things today that you do not want want to miss, but even if you don't, we have a blog, and you can check that out at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog, and highly encourage you, if you really enjoyed today's episode, pass it along and subscribe, rate, and review, and share with a friend. And before we dive in as well, make sure to check us out on social at Watermark Sports, on Facebook and Instagram, on Twitter, it's a little bit different, it's at Sweat Room Pod, you can check us out on social there. So without further ado, here is our episode with Brett Kern. We want to welcome to the sweat room, Brett Kern. Brett, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be uh, in the sweat room or on the sweat room, whatever, you know, (laughs) on it. Uh, It's a privilege. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, when we start out this show, I I usually just start out, read your bio. And one of the things that we know about you is you're from Grand Island, which is not too far from here in Buffalo. So the the real question right now, you play for the Tennessee Titans, but are you still a low key Bills fan? Low key. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously I grew up a Bills fan and uh, you know, when I was, I think I was five, six, seven, eight. I think they were my ages uh, when they lost the the four Super Bowls in a row. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was at a pretty uh, impressionable age uh, at that time, and so I was pretty crushed, um, you know, with them losing Super Bowls. But I think, you know, I still I still root for the Bills. I still, uh, you know, root for the Sabers just because I have a lot of you know friends back home and and all that kind of stuff, and I know that feeling of. Uh, you know, rooting for a, a team that's not doing great uh, or a team that's doing well. And, um, you know, it's your hometown teams, first team that you watched on TV growing up. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, low key for sure. Uh, but obviously, you know, the Titans, they uh, they pay the bills. So 
huge Titans fan. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. So one of the things about you too is you end up becoming a punter. I'd love to know what was the genesis of that? How did you become a punter? What, 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 what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I grew up playing soccer a bunch. You know, you guys obviously know my dad. Uh, he played pro soccer for a little bit. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. He was an unbelievable goalie, and uh, that's what I was doing. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I, was, I knew I had a leg. Uh, I could kick a soccer ball pretty far. Um, and so, you know, when, when it got to middle school, high school, you're kind of fooling around, you're playing flag football, gym class, all that kind of stuff. And you need somebody to kick off or whatever. And I, I would always be that guy. And, uh, our football coaches, uh, they were our gym teachers and, uh, they kept asking me, you know, Hey, you gotta play football. Like you can kick a football you gotta play. But obviously you guys know, New York, you can't double dip. So, you know, you either play soccer, or you play football, you know, down here in Tennessee, you know, there's a lot of kids that, play soccer and then on Friday nights they pop on over to the football field and boot a couple kicks and it's back sure. to the soccer field. So, you know, New York, you, you can't do that. You got to choose. And so, um, you know, I, I love soccer. I still watch soccer, you know, Saturday mornings, I'm watching the Bundesliga, you know, my favorite team, Bayern Munich. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, big soccer fan, but I just got, I got burned out. I was playing a lot of soccer, a lot of travel ball. Um, and when I went to try out for varsity, uh, at Grand Island as a, as a freshman, um, you know, the head coach, uh, you know, his son, uh, you know, his friends, they were all grew up playing soccer together and they were all juniors at the time. And so, you know, his, um, his son, one of his best friends was the, was the goalie. And I knew that I was okay with playing JV for a year just because I was a freshman. Uh, but I was still really involved in travel ball. And, um, and so when I got to my sophomore year, obviously they were now seniors and I knew that my chances weren't, weren't good, but I was my travel ball, um, it, it was legit. I was playing a lot, traveling a lot. And like I said, I just got burnt out. So, uh, I was just kind of, I was done, just done playing soccer. Um, just kind of done with it. And, uh, you know, the, our soccer fields are right next to the football fields. And so watching the kickers and the punters, and they, were, they were my friends. I knew who they were, but they were, <laughs> they were very good. And I thought I could, you know, I think I can give this a whirl. Punting just kind of came naturally to me. Uh, kicking kind of came naturally. And, um, so I remember quitting soccer, going back to my, my mom had dropped me off. I couldn't drive yet. And I said, Hey mom, I just quit soccer. <laughs> and she was like, okay, I don't know how your, your father's going to take this. And I just remember the conversations having with my dad, he was hundred percent supportive. Um, and he was all on board for whatever, like, Hey, where do you need to go punt? Like, I'll go shag the balls, like whatever, whatever you need to do. Like I'm there for you. I'm, I'm supportive. <laughs> And, um, and yeah, so I made the switch my sophomore year, played a couple of games on JV and then pop up to varsity and the rest is history. Wow. Wow. That's, that's so cool. And so from high school, how, how did you, you know, when did you know that, all right, I'm kind of, you know, I'm good enough at this that I want to do it in college and I, I like it enough that I want to do it in college. When did you really know that? And what was that sort of recruiting process like? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think football is really huge up in Western New York, especially, you know, being down here for 12 years, seeing uh, just kind of the pipeline that middle Tennessee has. And in, you know, there's a, the, the high school that's a mile down the street from, from where I live. I mean, they're pumping out kids that are going to UT and old miss and uh, it's just, a, it's a factory. So, sure. uh, you know, Western New York isn't, isn't the same. And so really had to kind of, 
advocate for myself. And so my dad and I, we went to Syracuse, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan to these, these kicking camps. And I wasn't really sure. I knew I was probably one of the better ones in the Western New York area. Uh, but then when I went down to Penn State my junior year, uh, there was 175 kids, I want to say, that were in the putting part. Wow. And um, I won the competition. And so, you know, driving home, I remember my dad and I, I was like, Dad, I think, you know, I think I'm good enough to play Division One football, you know. But I also knew realistically, you know, the percentages, the chances of, of making – uh, well, just getting into Division One scholarship was, was really low, but then the opportunity to even play in the NFL uh, or, or to get in a training camp was extremely low. So I, I, my goal at the time was just to get a scholarship somewhere so that, you know, we didn't have the burden of, of paying for college. And, um, and so went to some camps, ended up having a recruiting service. Uh, you know, we put together some videos and the recruiting service pumped it out to all the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three coaches across the country and started getting a lot more letters coming in and, and opportunities. But at that time, not a lot of schools were offering full rides for kickers and punters. It was kind of, mm. I'd probably say 30% were offering scholarships and the other 70% was, Hey, you know, can you walk on? Hey, can we maybe redshirt you? You know, it, it wasn't really a, a full ride right off the bat opportunity. So sure. um, that's where Toledo stepped in and they, you know, I had some bigger offers, um, you know, some big 10 schools and, and stuff like that. But Toledo was really the first school that came to me and said, Hey, we want you, we want you to start all four years. Here's a full ride. What do you say? And, you know, I just, uh, I took it. So he said yes. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know one of the things talking with your dad, talking to Cal, uh, Cal Kern, one of the things that he mentioned was, I think Ohio State briefly was talking with you, but nothing too intriguing enough to where like, hey, we want you as our guy. But Toledo was that for you. So what was what did you you end up going to Toledo? You have an incredible career there. What did you not only learn about yourself there, but what what did you really enjoy as Toledo as an athlete as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, accepted Christ when I was six years old and it was really, uh, uh, um, the Sunday school teacher saying, Hey, do you want to go to heaven or hell? And I think at six years old, I think the choice is pretty clear <laughs> where you want to go. Right. Sure. Uh, so I obviously, you know, asked Christ in my heart, but it wasn't a full understanding of, of what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. And so I kind of went through middle school, high school, just kind of floating by, um, you know, went to church because, you know, my parents were really involved in church and, um, you know, my dad was an elder and I, I, I knew what that meant, um, for him and to the church. And, uh, so I didn't want to, you know, I didn't party. I didn't do anything like that. I, I kind of wanted to keep a, a, a clean sheet. And, uh, you know, when I got to college. It was a complete, uh, 180. It was, you know, your parents aren't around. Like if you want to go to church, great. If you don't, who cares? You know, you're, you're obviously on your own, making your own schedule, um, with what you want to do you know, non-football related. So, you know, I, I obviously, I got involved with, with drinking and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was, it was, those first two years were, were a grind for me. It was a really huge challenge to my faith. Um, you know, I was just, I was, a, I was a lost sheep just trying to fit in and I was trying to fit in all the wrong places. And so, um, you know, one night I was out partying with some teammates and had a, had a rough night with Mr. Captain Morgan. And uh, I just remember, uh, just sitting there uh, in the bathroom and sick as a dog. And I, I remember thinking, I, I can't live my life like this. Like I'm wasting, 
I'm wasting the talent that the Lord has blessed me with. Cause I went my first two years. I didn't really do great at Toledo. I was doing a, I was doing well enough to keep my scholarship, but mm-hmm. nothing to write home about. And, um, so I felt like I was just wasting, uh, what the Lord had, had blessed me with. And so did a full 180, and uh, you know, it kind of changed my perspective, changed my priorities. Um, it's crazy. Two, three weeks later, after doing that, I met my future wife, um, and then all of a sudden, things on the field became uh, a lot better for me. They became um, just a change in a change in focus. Like I said, change in priorities, and it led to me being more relaxed on the field. Um, you know, and just definitely saw the Lord's hand. Uh, at work and things really from halfway my junior year, um, junior year Toledo going to my senior year, things just really started to take off. And, uh, I think that was clearly because I just, I reshifted my priorities, my focus on the Lord. Mm. So I want to know a little bit of, you know, when that transition for you happened, when you said like, all right, this is, this is not how I want to live. I know that there's something better out there for me. I know that God has given me these gifts and abilities. I don't want to waste them during that time. You know, what, what helped you get through that? And, you know, I think we all know that you didn't do it just on your own. Were there people, was there disciplines that you reentered into your life? Sort of what, who, or what was a part of that sort of transition for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my dad encouraged me to find uh, a mentor uh, somebody that was older than me, um, I could really just pour into my life and just challenge me. And so, uh, Tom Frazier, uh, he was a local, uh, pastor at a church just down the street from, from campus. And we met, uh, every other week. And I think that was very instrumental, um, just being able to, to be accountable to somebody, um, knowing that he was going to be honest with me and that I, to really, to change my life around, I needed to be honest with him. Um, you know, and so, uh, meeting with him on a regular basis, uh, was, was really helpful. Um, you know, getting, getting back into going to church every week, um, you know, just spending time every day in God's word, um, you know, and not just, uh, a little devotional that might have one scripture and, you know, somebody commentating on it for two or three paragraphs. I mean, you know, really getting into the word, um, and, uh, and diving into it and just spending quality time with him. And, uh, you know, changing what music I listened to, you know, the, the, the rap music that was in the locker room unedited. Uh, I used to listen to all that stuff all the time to, to really start getting into worship music and, and Christian music. And, uh, it was amazing how much that changed, um, my thoughts throughout the day. I was singing songs that I heard on the radio earlier that day, rather than, you know, singing the songs, uh, or rapping to the songs that I was listening to before that. And so, uh, just made a lot of changes in my life and, and refocused, uh, my priorities on him and, and, um, really wanted to be, um, a testimony on the team, you know, be consistent in my faith. Not, not one of those people that would come to the FCA Bible study in the morning. And then that later that night I'm out, you know, hammered with, with my buddies and they're thinking, well, Hey, if he's going to Bible study and now he's out drinking, hey, I could do it too. You know, really just wanted to be a consistent pillar of, of, um, showing Jesus's love and, uh, really seeing, uh, or showing to my teammates that there was something different about me. And, uh, and that was Jesus. Mm. I love hearing that and just seeing how, you know, God's moving in your life with all that's going on. And even up to this point, you're with the Titans, but before the Titans, you were with my favorite team, the Denver Broncos. You eventually oh. get there. I know I'm from Colorado, born and raised. So we're, we're about, 
uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. So just south of, south of Denver. So I, I love Colorado, oh. born and raised there. You end up going there, but then yeah. you get cut after two seasons. Why on earth did they cut you? Oh, I got sliced and diced, man. It, it, uh, yeah, you know, I don't, it's, um, you know, when that happened, you know, my rookie year I was with Coach Shanahan, and then my second year came in and Coach McDaniels took over. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was a humbling experience. I was off to a pretty good start that year. And uh, to get cut, um, you know, six weeks in was, was pretty hard. Um, but, you know, the Lord's timing is, is perfect. Um, I think if I would have gotten cut any other time, I don't know if I'd still be playing right now, but the timing of when I got cut to when uh, the punter here in Tennessee, Craig Hendrick went on IR, uh, it just, it was the same time. Tennessee was looking for a punter that week and that's when I got cut. So, um, you know, sometimes the Lord, you, you, you think things that uh, are bad that are happening to you and you don't understand why uh, you get mad, you get frustrated, but um you know, really it was the Lord looking out for me, my family. Um, I wasn't a great husband at the time I got cut. We had a six week old, uh, boy. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't being a help to my wife at the, uh, at home. I wasn't being a great husband. Um, you know, I was all about football trying to earn those paychecks and, uh, the Lord getting, getting cut shook me and to come here to Tennessee, it, uh, totally, uh, once again, it was one of those moments where it's like, Hey, my, my priorities are not really in order right now. And something like this just shook me enough to, to recenter those priorities and, and to put Jesus first. And, uh, you know, thinking that I had control, the NFL is, is, a it's a business where you feel like you need to have control. Um, but really you, you have absolutely no control over, over really anything that you're, you're doing in this business. Um, you know, management is always constantly making decisions. I mean, this is that time of year where, you know, guys are getting cut, guys are getting signed. You might've had a great year and you're still getting cut because of money. Um, there's just a lot of things that you feel like you need to control, but you really can't. And so, um, that was definitely one of those moments. I, I, you know, we love Denver. It was a great city for us for a year and a half. Um, but you know, the Lord obviously knew what was best for me at the time. I didn't, I didn't see it, but, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it was, um, it was, it's been a huge blessing. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's cool to hear for sure. And, and I, I think this is such a great reminder for me and for all of our listeners that, you know, even though your time when you were in college, halfway through your career was when you, yeah, that's when you turned your life around. That doesn't mean that, all right, life's perfect. Everything's good from there on out. Like there was still crap that you had to deal with. And there was still times where you were in life where it's like, all right, slipping back in old ways and losing my priorities. And that's an encouragement to me to say, yeah, like you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior and not have it all together. And that's okay. Because there's yeah. always, God is always there for you. You can always run back to him. And so that's an encouragement to me to know that, you know, Hey, when there's times when I don't have it together, it's okay because God is still there and he still loves you and you can always go back to him. So yeah, thanks for, for being honest with that and vulnerable and, and sharing that bit of your heart. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, in uh, 2016, I decided to up it a little bit and read the Bible in a year. And it seemed like a very daunting task to me because I'm not a big reader. I'm, I'm the guy in English class that tried to get all the spark notes, uh, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. So to read the Bible in a year was, um, was pretty daunting for me. And now, you know, I'm going on my fifth year in a row of doing it and, uh, it's been a huge blessing, but just to see, um, over and over in the Bible, really 
the the people that the Lord uses. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going through Deuteronomy right now, and you and you see Moses, right? Like mm-hmm. Moses did not want any part of going back to Israel, or sorry, going back to Egypt and leading the Israelites out of Egypt and dealing with Pharaoh, yeah, who who he grew up with, right? He grew up with Ramses, and um, you know, had to go back to him and confront him over and over again, and just the Israelites, how they, you know, fought him tooth and nail of, you know, Hey, we don't have good enough food. We don't have water. Why are we wandering in the desert? It would have been better for us to die in Egypt and to see Moses, um, just battle those thoughts, battle those, the situations where he's dealing with the Israelites and then what the Lord's telling him to do. And, you know, at the end of, uh, or in the beginning part of Deuteronomy, it, it says, you know, Moses was the most humble man on the earth. And he spoke to other people through visions and dreams, but Moses was so faithful that he spoke to him face to face. And so you look at somebody like Moses, right? And uh, the type of person that he was and, and how he fought tooth and nail with a lot of things that the Lord wanted him to do. Um, you know, even from the beginning where he's like, please don't send me. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not built for this. Right. And the Lord's like, nah, you're fine. I'll give you Aaron. I'll give you your brother. Don't worry. Like, just, just listen to me and, and be faithful and how the Lord uh, blessed him and how he was able to talk to the Lord face to face. Cause he was mm. so cool. And so, I guess it's always an encouragement, you know, whether it's people like Moses or um, other stories in the Bible of where the Lord takes broken people, ordinary people, and turns them into something and uses them uh, for his glory. And that's just, that's, that's me. That's you guys. I mean, it's, we're ordinary people that the Lord, um, you know, can use, whether it's on the football field or over a podcast. And um, if we're obedient to him, if we're in the word, if we're willing to listen to him, um, and not, uh, kind of cave to what this world wants, you know, what this world, uh, you know, everything's about us. How quickly can I get something about me, me, and if we can just sit back and pause and just listen to the Lord, um, it's amazing how he can use us. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love that you were sharing that about how we're all ordinary people. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, Noah and I like to focus on here in the sweat room is, we don't just interview guys like you who are professional athletes that are the top level skill level in their area in the world. You know, we've had high school athletes from Buffalo on our podcast and we love it. Everyone has a story. Their platform's just a little bit different. That doesn't mean that their story's not as impactful, not as important. And, and I love when I was, um, when I was in college, one of my, um, college classmates, he shared with me, he said, cause I was telling him, I was like, ah, my, you know, my testimony is boring. Like it's not super special. I grew up in a Christian home, yada, yada, yada. And he looked at me and said, Bjorn, who's the protagonist in that story? And I was like, ah, like me. And he's like, no, God, he's like, God is the protagonist in your story. He said, if a story is about God, which that's what a testimony is. He said, it can't be boring. Yeah. Said, now, whether that's you or whether that's Joe Schmo who just got out of jail and did time for 15 years and now came to Christ. He's like, those are two stories that are about what God has done through people. And that's right. what we see in you. That's what we see in us. That's what we see in every single person. And that's, that's just, that's so powerful where it doesn't matter where you are, where you've come from, where you're going. It's man, God loves each and every one of us so much, whether it's a NFL punter, whether it's a high school hockey player, whoever it is, is man, God loves them equally. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that you shared that because that's really the heart of, 
what we do here in the sweat room and what our one of our missions is here. So thank you for saying that. Appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. It's um, it's just uh, you know putting staying focused on him. You know, I, it's it's uh, it's crazy because my wife and I we we went on a little. Uh, getaway just her and I without our kids and mm. we went for a hike and there were multiple times on this trail that we went on where uh, it was steep it was uh tough it was uh not the easiest hike not probably not the most relaxing thing <laughs> to do and there were multiple times in that trail where you could take shortcuts and sometimes the shortcut looked easy sometimes the shortcut didn't look so easy um but it was Hey, you know what? Taking that shortcut might avoid uh, this steep part of the hill. Like this is going to be a really hard climb. But if I take the shortcut, it might not be as steep, might not be as hard. And I just kept thinking when we were on that hike about how that's just, that's life. You know, yeah. how many times does God want us uh, on a certain path? And if we're in his word, if we're, you know, communicating with him, that path, the path is is there. We can, I can see when I'm hiking, I can see that path. Um, and it's, it's clear there before me, um, but how many times are we distracted? How many times does the devil get a foothold of, of things in our life, whether it's fear, worry, anxiety, stress, um, you know, where it, it looks very enticing to, you know what, this is going to be a grind to climb up this incline. And I want to take this short cause it, it might be a little bit easier. And so I was just reminded of that when I was, when I was on that hike about just the parallels in, in life and, um, you know, just doing my best to stay on the path that the Lord has me on. Yeah, I love it. And I, I love the words that you just said, just kind of, even what you said, Bjorn, of that's the mission of, of our podcast and what you were saying, that there's no easy shortcuts in life. It's it's going to be a grind. It's going to be tough. But you know what? This life is worth it. And like having Christ right next to us during the whole time is it's the best part about it. So for you, you're in Tennessee now. What have yeah. been what have been some of your favorite mem- memories during your time there? Uh, yeah, I tell you what, um, well, I've been able to have you know we, we had two of our girls here uh, in Tennessee, so we got two little Southern bells that we're we're raising, <laughs> and uh, you know, a boy from Denver. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of great memories, a lot of uh, great friendships that I've built over the years. The NFL is is fragile. You might have. Uh, somebody that you get along with really well and they might only be on a one-year deal and uh, they're gone to another team. Mm. And it's just, uh, you know, you got a constant kind of changing of the roster every year. And, you know, I think most teams experience 40% turnover. And so, um, you know, just trying to, trying to make an impact as much as you can uh, while you're around your teammates, you never know the conversations that you'll have. You never know how long um, you'll be around guys. And I don't want, I mean, it's great. I, you know, guys say, Hey, you're a great punter, blah, 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 whatever, you know, you got awards. I, I don't really care about that. It's, it's, uh, you know, when you have a teammate and, and, you know, what are they going to say about you, you know, 10 years from now, or, you know, they might say you're a great punter, but then what else are they going to say about you? You know, and that's kind of the impact that I'm trying to make on, on my teammates, especially a lot of the younger ones, you know, coming out of college and, um, the conversations that we have. Um, so, you know, just trying to try to make an impact on my teammates and I've played a lot of cool games, big games, AFC championship, uh, you know, two years ago in, in Kansas city, which came up a little bit short, but, um, yeah, I mean, been a part of some game winning kicks and, uh, you know, I've beaten the bills a couple of times and I've also lost, the bills. <laughs> so, um, you know, some, some pro bowls, being able to take my family down there, um, 
mm. for three years in a row was, was really, really cool. And uh, I got to the point where my, my daughter was keeping her hotel key thinking that, well, dad, I'm going to need this hotel key for next year. I'm like, babe, yeah, you don't know how hard it is to, <laughs> to, get, to, the, to get to these pro bowls. But, uh, you know, they obviously had, they had faith in their dad that I was going to be able to get down there again. So, um, high expectations. Expectations. Yeah. So, uh, just have a lot of great memories here and, and just, uh, blessed to be able to, to raise my family here. Cool. Cool. It. No, I love that. And so one thing you mentioned was, you know, players come and go 40% turnover. Um, what are, what are some of your, I don't know, favorite teammates, the guys that you've played with, whether it's been a long time or a short time. Um, what are some of the guys you've played with over the years that you've enjoyed? Yeah. I mean, uh, I got, I got a lot of, you know, great out of the hundreds of guys, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, my, my long snapper for nine years, Bo Brinkley, um, you know, I was able to coming back from a golf retreat and, uh, he just started asking about the Bible and Jesus and mm. ended up leading him to Christ on that trip home. And, um, you just never know the impact that you're having on your coworkers, whether you're in the yeah. NFL or, um, you know, whether you're a doctor or a teacher, you just, uh, people are always watching, you know? And, uh, so the relationship I have with him, Ryan suck up, um, you know, we, we kicked together, uh, Super, Bowl champion. Super Bowl champ I actually took my son down there, uh, to the Super Bowl in Tampa, just to, to kind of root him on and, uh, wore my suck up Jersey. And, uh, and so, uh, great, great man of faith, great, uh, great guy, great teammate to, to have. And, uh, Marcus Mariota was one of my favorites. He's, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's plenty of teammates, you know, uh, actually Khalif Raymond comes to mind. He is, he's one of those guys. I, I usually, you know, get there early. I'm probably one of the first 10 players to get to the building, uh, you know, during the week. And, you know, I get there at six 30 in the morning and he's coming in from our, from our bubble with his wide receiver gloves on sweating they can, man, you know, just caught 200 balls off the jugs, you know, uh, one of the most humblest guys. Um, yeah. I mean, just guys like that, that are, are selfless. They'll do whatever it takes, you know, to, to help the team win. They're in there early. They're, they're staying late. Um, and so there's plenty of guys that, you know, that are like that, but, uh, those are just some of the guys that, um, you know, they make it, they make it fun coming to work with, with guys like that. Yeah. And we're not dealing, we're not talking just to, you know, any Joe Schmo. you've been in the league for over 12 years now. Is this going to be your 13th season? Correct. Uh, 14 actually. Yeah. 14. So even longer. So yeah. I, I was reading up as you've been in the league since 08, correct? Yes. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. So totally did the math wrong on that, but 14 seasons you've been with so many different players. You got to play with some of my like favorite people like champ Bailey, Brian, yeah. Like got some legends and then you're playing with current guys like, like Derek Henry, which I rip to Josh Norman. I'm so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bjorn. I don't, I don't mean to bring that up, but you know, you've, you've seen the league transform. And, and I think what's also cool is God has really transformed your life during that time. And you've really transformed and into really becoming a, a young guy like us into a full, full man and a man after God's own heart. So what is some of the biggest lessons that God has taught you just during your time in the NFL? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, we talked about earlier about control, um, you know, try and feel like you have to try to control situations. Uh, you know, if I could control my stats, if I could control, um, 
you know, where I'm at rankings in the league, uh, all that kind of stuff. And that will help me keep my job. Um, and the moment that I totally surrendered that over, uh, to the Lord, where I, I stopped looking at stats. Um, I would just take it one punt at a time in the game. Cause the moment you look at stats, the moment you see it's really a parallel to life. The, the moment you're looking around and seeing what other people are doing is the moment that you, that you get lost in what you have to do yourself. Mm. So, um, when I would go out there, I would say, okay, Hey, if I'm, I'm third in the league right now in punt, but to get to one, I need to average 50 yards this game. So the first punt would go out and it might be a, it might be a little 35 yarder that they fair catch the 10, right? You did your job, but you're going back to the sidelines. Now I'm thinking, okay, to get to 50, 30, 15 plus V, okay, 15, that means I need a 65 yarder, you know, and it just becomes a complete battle of me trying to control the situation. Wow. And I have no control over where I'm going to punt from, what the weather is going to be like. Mm. And really, the, the, like I said, the moment that I just, I remember I, I got that on my hands and my knees and I said, Lord, I am not in control of this, of this business, or I'm not in control of my career. Like you are in hundred percent control. You know how long I'm going to play, you know, what's going to happen on each and every punt. And the moment that I did that, the moment I stopped looking at stats, it was actually the first year I went to the pro Bowl. It took me 10 years, <laughs> my first one, but that was a year where I felt completely free. Um, of just any burdens where I feel like I had to meet certain expectations and I stayed focused on just what the Lord was putting before me each and every day, uh, each and every Sunday when I went out to go play. And so, uh, that was a, a really big, uh, surrendering moment for me. Um, another thing is probably just, is just remaining consistent in my faith. Um, you know, after a win, what am I doing? Am I going on downtown Broadway, partying with the guys or, um, you know, I go home and hang out with my family. Um, you know, the conversations that I have, uh, I had one in the hot tub this past year, one of my, uh, teammates before practice were in the hot tub. And he asked me how long I've been married. And I told him 12 years. And he asked me if I ever cheated on my wife. I said, heck no. And he didn't understand how I've gone 12 years without doing that. And so to have a conversation about that was, was huge. Um, and so being able to, to lead a chapel, I, I was able to lead a chapel this year for our whole team and, and staff. And, um, you know, we got this thing called prayer in the shower where before the game, literally right before the game, right before we come out for introductions, you know, we call out prayer in the shower. Everybody's obviously all dressed in their uniforms. Uh, I have to clarify that most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. But we go, you know, we go into the shower. It's usually the, the biggest part of the, the locker room and, you know, we all hold hands and I, I say a verse, say a little context to the verse and pray. And, uh, that's just been a huge, a huge blessing, uh, to be able to do that. And so I think remaining consistent, consistent in my faith, um, you know, getting into the word more, uh, so that when I do have conversations with guys, I feel equipped, um, to, to really throw out some verses, um, you know, knowledge, different stories of the Bible that maybe guys could kind of relate to. Uh, it's not just a book that's 2000 years old. That is just kind of a bunch of pages put together. Like the stories that happened back then are still relevant today because mm. sin, sin, sin is, um, has been around, you know, obviously since Adam and Eve and it's, it's not going away. And so the, the, the parallels between old Testament stories, new Testament stories to now is, is still the same. And so, uh, to be in the word, to be equipped with it has really helped out with, um, conversations with my teammates. So, 
Mm, that's so cool. And, you know, you talked there about how, you know, you've been able to be a spiritual leader on the Titans, um, in your household, all of these areas. Uh, what is, what is maybe one thing about leadership that, that you have learned and maybe what are characteristics of leaders that you've seen over the years that really help people lead well? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think probably the biggest thing with, with leadership that I've learned, um, is probably uh, having grace and, and showing grace. Mm. Um, you know, understanding that uh, we're all going to mess up. We're all not perfect. Um, and kind of, and showing that to other guys. Um, you know, there, I have teammates that, you know, come to Bible study and, you know, that night, a couple of nights, you know, they're, they're not, they're not in the right place. And, um, and so approaching them with, with love rather than a, more of a condoning type attitude, uh, uh, cause you know, I make mistakes myself. And so I'm not going to sit here and, uh, throw stones at somebody, um, when I'm, you know, making the same mistakes myself. And I even see that in, in parenting, you know, our, our, our kids that we have, um, you know, being able to, to show grace when you need grace yourself, we all need it. And so, that's so good. Um, you know, being, being someone that's uh, an encourager, uh, you know, trying to encourage my teammates as much, as much, as much as possible. Um, but I think, you know, probably the biggest thing when I've, you know, when I was in Denver, I mean, I was there with John Lynch, champ Bailey, boss Bailey. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Brian, Brian Dawkins, um, you know, hall of famers, uh, and, and seeing how they led, they weren't the ones, yeah, they would call you out you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't in a, a demeaning way where you felt like, you know, you were an inch big, you know, it, it came, you knew that they were coming at you with love and respect. And I think mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that with other guys, um, especially in, in faith, uh, is, uh, definitely a, a great quality to have. Mm, that's so good. And so, you know, we're in the off season right now and you've had some time to spend some time with family and you've got guys like Cal hanging around the house that you have to right. you know, put up with these days. But <laughs> what, what can we, and I don't want to expect too much because you're in the AFC and you gotta, you know, maybe play against our bills there in the playoffs, but what, what can we <laughs> expect from the Titans next year? Yeah. Well, I mean, we do got the bills here next year. We got, we got the AFC East. So we got the bills here and the, uh, Dolphins and then we're at the Jets and at the Patriots. So uh, the Bills will be coming to Nashville again. It seems like for the eighth year in a row, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, that's just how it works out when you're in the AFC. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, we're going through a lot of change right now. Uh, obviously you guys know what the salary cap drop in, um, you know, free agency. It's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a year of, you know, obviously something that I've never seen, uh, in the time that I've played in the league. And so we're going to be a different looking team, but I think our mind, our mentality is not going to change. You know, coach Vrabel is, uh, you know, a guy that played for 14 years understands, you know, what it means to, to play in this league. Uh, and he demands a lot. He expects a lot. He shoots his expectations out at you from the get go. And he knows, um, what kind of punter I can be, how good I can be. And he, and he demands it and he's not afraid to call me out. Uh, when I'm not performing to the level that he thinks I should be. So when you set that standard, uh, it just elevates the play of everybody. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a tough dude. Like he, I mean, he puts on the pads and he goes out and, you know, he's running drills with D line and, and all that kind of stuff. And, 
you know, we're, we're just a, a, a tough football team that we don't mind being the underdogs. We're scrappy. Um, and so I don't, I don't think uh, any of that's going to change, uh, you know, this upcoming year. And uh, obviously with 22 back there, um, you know, I think you know what to expect uh, most of the time. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see, uh, you know, kind of how this year shapes up. It's kind of different, you know, if we don't have OTAs again, uh, you know, if we're going straight into camp, are we going to have preseason games? Uh, so it's just kind of one of those toss-up years. But I know the identity of our team won't change of just being a tough, tough football team. Mm, that's so good. And I look forward to seeing how, how you guys do and eventually seeing you in the pro bowl again. I think that I'm looking forward to that as well, but yeah, I think today's just been encouraging just seeing how you lead on and off the field. And I think of a verse, uh, just, just of you it's Colossians three twelve, And it says, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I think yeah. that's, that's the way you lead. And I, I love how you said having grace and showing grace. I think that's so important in whoever we interact, whether that's our coworkers, mm-hmm. those, we, those, you know, we love, and even though the people that get underneath our skin, it's so important. So really appreciate it. So Brett, thanks for joining us. And as we finish up, do you have any final words of encouragement or final words or remarks just for our listeners today? Yeah. I mean, uh, I appreciate you you all having me on. It's funny that you shared that verse in in Colossians. Uh, I actually think I have my notes here from the, from my prayer in the shower. I keep them all on a three by five card. So I don't, I don't repeat myself (laughs) when I'm doing the verses, but I I shared that one this year. I think it was week 14 or 15, uh, you know, just really trying to encourage the guys, um, that we're, we're not perfect. We're going to have hiccups in our life, but understanding that, um, you know, that, that God is, he's, he is the God of the hills and the valleys. Um, you know, we're, when we're on the hills, when things are going great, are we still giving him praise? Um, are we giving him credit for the reason why we're on the hill? Um, and then he is also the God of the valleys. Like we're, we're all going to go through times in our life that we feel like we're in a valley that we feel like we're stuck. Uh, even in Psalms, when it says walking through the valley, of the shadow of death, it says walking through, it doesn't say we're stuck in the, in the valley of the shadow of death, but we're walking through it. And there's going to be times where, we have things in our life where we feel like we're in a valley for a while. I think we can all probably agree to that with how 2020 went and, and maybe even how 2021 is starting that uh, a lot of us feel like we're stuck in a valley and, um, but we're walking through it. And uh, you know, that, that he is the God of the Hills and the God of the valleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the same God today and tomorrow. Uh, he's faithful. And if we just take time to slow down, to, to pause, to, to get into his word, um, it's amazing what he can, can show you. So I just encourage everybody that's listening to, to just take time to slow down, uh, to get in his word, spend time in his word. Um, you know, like I said, when I was reading through the Bible in a year, I thought this is, this is going to take forever. And it's, <laughs> it's 20 minutes a day. And I feel like, you know, looking at my phone, my screen time, what I spend time on my phone with, like I can easily do 20 minutes a day to read through the Bible in a year. And sometimes it's 25, depending on the Old Testament stories, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's 20 minutes a day to to spend time in his word. And uh, I just encourage everybody to, to get in his word. And, um, yeah, I just appreciate you guys for, for having me on. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Brett. It's been an encouragement to us and I hope our listeners as well. And uh, as much as I won't be rooting for the Titans, I'll be rooting for <laughs> you this year. So I hope that you um, have a good season. And honestly, I hope you have to punt a lot when you play against the Bills. So uh, if I tell you what, if I had a, if I had a dollar for every time someone from Buffalo sent me a text, <laughs> I would be able to retire. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for well, adding. I'm glad, I'm glad to give you that extra dollar then. I appreciate it. Thanks for adding to the imaginary piggy bank. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Have a good one, Brett. Thanks. All right. Take care. Well, thank you, Brett, for joining us today. That was a fun interview. Bjorn, what were some of your reflections for reflection points from today? My only reflection is this. Go Bills. <laughs> Go no, Bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I love hearing his story and it just reminded me of one of the most prominent lies that the devil tells each and every one of us Mm. and that is the lie that you are alone and it man I have felt that so many times not in my life but in this last year along with in my life of just feeling like man I'm alone like I can't do this and hearing his story of when when he was in college and when he was in the NFL and there was in he was in those valleys Mm. talking about there were other guys that were standing alongside of him, mentors, friends, parents, his wife, whoever it was. And, and it's just, man, such a, such a dirty lie mm. of that we're alone because it's not true. There's importance of mentorship. There's importance of, you know, getting truth from a variety of different sources. And he talked about how, you know, he had a mentor, he read the Bible daily, he prayed, like all of these things. Those are multiple different sources that he can be poured into. Mm. And that's so important um, because if we are alone and we do believe that lie, it's very, very hard, near impossible to figure things out on our own. Mm. That's so really good. hard. So I just, I, I just, I like that he shared yeah. that other people and scripture and prayer were a part of his story. Absolutely. And I think of the verse, John 10, 10, mm. the enemy oh, yeah. comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I, man, and I, I, a great quote that I heard too, as well is I think oftentimes the enemy comes after us to isolate us. Mm. And I think Christ wants to have solitude with us. And what does that look like? Isolation versus solitude. Mm. And it's so, yeah, it's just scary that the the enemy wants that. But God wants that time of, you know what? I know you're in this crazy time and I'm going to bring the right people, the right word in your life. But spend time with me. And I think that's so important. So I love that you highlighted that. And I love one of the things that he said at the end, that God is in the hills and the valleys. Mm. That's so important. And and one of my favorite things that he said, and I I said it earlier, is having grace and showing grace. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's it's so important with whoever we work with, the people that are in our lives. Uh, it's it's so important. But I, I just loved hearing that and just hearing his time, even in Denver. I wish he stayed in Denver, but you know, God had a different plan for him. And he's in Nashville. He's an NFL veteran, a Pro Bowler, and God's really touching his life. And mm-hmm. I I love how even. I'm going to finish with this point of when he was like, you know, I, I need to have the certain punt right. It's got to got to do it 60 yards or something like that. I have the right ratio so I can make the Pro Bowl. And he didn't make the Pro Bowl for 10, Ten years. years. And, you, you know, he said, he goes, Lord, you control the punts. Mm-hmm. And I think of the quote from Craig Rochelle, comparison is the killer of joy. Mm. And so whenever we compare ourselves to other people, whether it's, you know, we're an NFL punter or we're doing stuff at, on the basketball court or soccer field mm-hmm. so easy to compare ourselves and be like you know what I, 
I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Yeah. But you know, I God places us where we're at, and once we're focused on Him, say, God, this is yours. Everything else changes. Yeah. So so good. And I, one of the big things of his story that he kept mentioning is you know reordering his priorities. Mm. And I love one of the questions we asked, and I think we asked it with a different purpose, but he answered the way that I'm so glad he did. And our question was, you know, what have been some of your mem- favorite memories of being in Tennessee? You know, and, and I think when we wrote that question, when we talked about it, when you asked it, it was, hey, tell us about the Titans, your time there on the team and everything. And his first response was, my two daughters, Southern Bells, were born here. Mm. His first response was not, you know, we made to the AFC Championship, I've gone to the Pro Bowl, I've been here for, you know, however many years, this, that, and the other thing. It was, I've created a family here, and this has been our home. And his two daughters. And I love that because that shows that, you know, he's had to rework his priorities in his life. And he's gotten to a place where somebody asks him about his time in Tennessee. And his first thing that comes to mind is not football. Mm. First thing that comes to mind is my family's here. Yeah. This is where my daughters were born. This is where they've been raised. And they're, you know, growing up and in elementary school and whatever it is. And I, I love that. That just really showed me his heart and how... He talked about in his story about how he had to rework his priorities. And I saw there that he really is practicing what he was telling us. Mm. And he really was putting that into play. And so that was challenging to me. It's, Arbjorn, what are your priorities and are they in line? And is that shown by your life? Mm. And that's a question I struggle to answer sometimes. And I struggle to do that. But... That was so good. I love that. I love that perspective. And I want to finish with Colossians 3.12. Read that one more time. Yeah. And that first came to mind to me because something I've been doing with my dad and his small group is they memorize a verse a week. Mm. And that was the verse that came to mind with Brett of Colossians 3.12. And it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Mm. May that verse carry on with you this week. So thanks for joining us, Brett. And next week, we're starting a Buffalo Bills series, and we're kicking this thing off with Buffalo Bills sideline reporter, Maddie Glab. She's so awesome, has an incredible faith journey as well. You guys are really going to be encouraged by this episode. Here's an excerpt. Don't let people turn you down. Be persistent. Um, don't be afraid to, to fight for yourself. Um, don't let people belittle you. Um, because I feel like if with Christ behind you, like we can do anything and everything that we set our mind to. Um, and if it's his plan for us, it's, it's going to work out. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 